This is the Global Logistics Podcast, and here is our host, Steve Grossman. Okay, welcome to the Global Logistics Podcast, and my special guest today is Martin Walgren from GAC. And established in 1956, GAC is a world leader in shipping logistics. Welcome, Martin. I hope I haven't simplified what GAC is about. A huge company, but yeah, thanks for joining us. And perhaps you could start by giving us a little bit of background about GAC and and a back, some background about your role within the the company, please. Yeah, so a short background of GAC would probably be that um, uh, every day that a ship comes into a harbor, there's a lot of things that need to be happening, right? You have to uh, have a place to put your ship. You have to take some logistics to the ship. You have to change crew. Or you have to have a lot of uh, papers and. Um, um, customs uh, uh, things going on right so that's this shipping agency and uh, that's what GAC is doing 30,000 times a year in 300 offices 50 countries Uh, so when they started with shipping agency they realized that uh, it also needs a lot of logistics Uh, so what GAC is good at and very expertise in is uh, niche logistics when it comes to uh, difficult stuff big stuff hard stuff weird stuff Uh, that's what we love if you're going to move a box only from A to B, I think uh, it's too easy for us. Uh, so that's it. Uh, you know, very small, small uh, words is, is GAC. Um, this, of course, my job as a group CIO makes it uh, very interesting since uh, everything we do is a little bit specialized, is a little bit niche, and we are depending on a lot of different customers, different demands, and also regulations from many, many countries. and. Uh, and uh, areas, so that's it's an interesting, an interesting journey for us. And how did you become part of the company? When when did you join? I mean, how, how long have you been there? Well, I started in the shipping industry like twenty seven years ago now for the Stena Group in Sweden. Yeah, and and started working with all them, and uh, then I got a call after a couple of years, a uh, headhunter saying that uh, we should think you should move to Dubai and help GC with the shipping part and the logistics part. So. Four years ago, I moved to Dubai with my family, and uh, that's how I started in GEC. And uh, the need for GEC was to uh, make the group ready for the 21st century challenges when it comes to digital and uh, technology. So that has been my mission for the first five years here. Thank you. And, and um, I'm sure I know we're going to talk about that, but the, um, the first question which kind of is affecting everyone is, how are you adapting to COVID and um, how do you see the next couple of years going? Well, uh, COVID is probably the most unexpected uh, company strategy ever uh, ever happened, right? I mean, yeah. normally you plan for a strategy and you know you plan for some kind of impact. But to have a global pandemic like this, it's, um, it's an interesting uh, uh, happening. And it also shows if your company is agile enough to adopt to it or if you basically fail to it. Uh, so for, for us, I must say that we have uh, been riding this wave very, very well. It's been tough, of course, especially for the oil and gas industry, I would say. And I'm very sorry for, for uh, our crew, our ships, that got stuck for a long time and had problems with crew change and uh, traveling. I mean, I don't think people realize how, how tough it is for them that are actually doing all the logistics of the sea and how hard it is if, if, uh, for, for the crew change in that industry. So people always uh, nag about we cannot travel on our vacations and we cannot do business meetings, but the crew, on board, they are stuck on the ship. That's I think right. that's 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably, I think, the most uh, scary part of COVID for us uh, uh, from a business perspective. Um, but, I mean, what I've realized also during COVID is that when people say that it's so hard to change uh, behavior, it takes three years for you to change, I think that COVID has shown that we can quickly adopt if we have to. Uh, we can quickly adopt to sitting at home like I see you do now, instead of being at the office. Um, just strictly adopt to not having board meetings because we had to travel and have dinners at time. We can actually do it uh, using uh, uh, online meetings and also the adoption to e-commerce and uh, not being able to go to your normal grocery store. Or actually, I mean, that, it's amazing how if you are if you have to, a human can adopt. So it, it gave us a little bit difference. Um, how we can adapt to digital transformation in the industry and how quick it actually can go if we have to, uh, which, is, which is something that we, we're going we're gonna to use that, uh, of course, as a benefit. And the thing is, I totally agree with everything you say. I mean, I, you know, I remember speaking to a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine yesterday, um, and about how humans, they're so ingenious that if they club together, what they can achieve. And it makes you wonder if we can smash a vaccine in less than a year, because everyone from all over the world, the most brilliant minds are doing this. Why can't we apply that kind of system to, I don't know, beat cancer or nuclear fusion um, or, or solving world poverty or climate change? And you kind of think, well, we must be able to do it because we've proven that we can be able, we can do that. So I'm, I'm, my big hope when all this awful mess is over is, you know, that there will be, if excuse the pun, a sea change in how people think about these things. And, and you're right, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting at home, and that's going to be the new normal now, because I'm quite yep. sure that many, many people will be saying, well, why am I going back to work in an office? I've proven I can work from home. And I think it will make people think, and companies think very much about the work-life balance, because people can be productive. And I know a lot of it's about trust, and, you know, can companies trust? But it's been proven, people in general, if they're asked to, ta if they're tasked to do something, they're not children, they, they generally just get on with it. And, you know, we have to, we just have to carry on. And you're right, it's, at the end of the day, either you get on or you fail. I mean, it's that simple, isn't it? You know, and that's what COVID yep. has shown. Um, so you mentioned this digital transformation, and I know um, from the emails that I've had this, and something you said, oh, this is kind of a big sort of thing for you. Can you sort of try and ex explain what exactly that it is and how you're trying to apply that? Well, so what it is, uh, to simplify it a little bit, I will say that it's normal business development, but this time you also have a little bit of touch of digital part of it. So it's the use, for me, it's a use of people and digital technologies, uh, yeah. where we optimize the, the business model that we have. We automate some work groups that we normally do. Uh, we provide new revenue streams and also value adding um, opportunities. So the mix of people and digital in a normal business development. That's for me what digitalization is. Now, the journey, take a 60-year-old company like EEC to think this way is what I call digital transformation. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's, if, it, if it's easy. It's a hard word to tell because it's actually very blurry. It depends where you come from, what maturity level you have. You have to adopt to a journey of a transformation, and that's why I think the word is actually it's quite a good word because it is a transformation. It's not a project with a, with a start and end. You actually have to transform something into something that can be the difference. Um, so um, yeah, it, it is a 
lot about, I would say, 30% technology and 70% uh, human and uh, change management. And how That's do you, I mean, how, the, the, how, how can you make that secure and how can you, how do you roll that out such, I mean, it would be hard enough to roll it out over a company with, say, 100 employees or 500 employees uh, in one location. But if you're rolling out this vision and this, or this adoption across um, all these different sectors and different um, areas that you, the GAC are based, then I assume there's a, obviously you've got a strategy in place and, and the, the security in place, but how on earth do you even think about that and apply that? But that, that is actually, that's why I like the word uh, humans and, uh, and change management, because there is a, tech, a tactic and a strategy of how to rule something out, how to do a good change in an organization. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 first you have to know where you are, which means that you have to do your homework and see where are you failing today and what would you like to change, right? Yeah. And then just craft your vision and talk a lot about it and make sure people are on the same train. And then you end up, hopefully, you end up on the same station. I mean, that's, that's the journey you have to do. But you have to respect that this will take three to five years before you can see the good result. Mm. And during that journey, I, I, I rather use a roller coaster instead of a train, perhaps, because some <laughs> people think it's fun, some people are scared, some people don't want to be there at all. But in the end, hopefully, you end up in the same station and you smile about it, right? Yeah. That's how we see it. We see it quite long, long term. And uh, we took a step back and we really looked at what are we doing today, what does our customer uh, think we're doing today, and uh, everything from a business glossary, the core things. Uh, look at our products. How do we package them? How do we sell them? What do we actually? Uh, what, what do our customers ask for? Uh, how do we calculate the tariffs around that? All that kind of homework. That's what we've been doing a lot uh, in the beginning to, to really know and understand the journey of the digital transformation. And I think that is a homework that some uh, companies that fail with transformation like this. Um, they, they, they don't do that groundwork because it's quite boring, it's quite hard, yeah. not debating and uh, sometimes dictating, which is a little bit um, not so comfortable. It's a tough journey. If you're doing well, then you are, are on a transformation journey and you're actually going to change something, which is the whole idea, right? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, I, I use, I normally say that my job is a little bit being like a parent. I say the same things over and over and over again. Different meetings, different companies, different. I mean, and with the same passion and same kind of smile, right? I had to say it over and over again. Uh, and uh, that's how you do it, I think. Gradually. First, it's gradually, then it's subtly. And, and what, what's the genesis of this? Because ideas always come from somewhere. I mean, I can't imagine, or maybe you did, you woke up in, in the morning one day and you had this eureka moment. But in, in all seriousness, how did it all start? It all started with that uh, the, the, uh, the management of the company realized that we have to uh, make sure that the company can survive the digital, uh, the, the 21st century challenges with all what that is, right? So it's a very old fashioned um, industry, both logistics and shipping. And everyone was talking about, let's do another Netflix, let's do another uh, uh, Uber kind of thing. Everyone was talking about that, but it didn't really happen. And so they were starting, why doesn't it happen in our, in our industry? What is, the, uh, what is the, uh, the bottlenecks and why doesn't it happen? And that's why it's so important to understand what kind of product you are. I mean, uh, and uh, what do you actually, where in the chain are you and how can you change your part in the industry? 
I think both shipping and logistics, uh, if you don't work with it, I don't think you really understand the complexity and how many stakeholders it is to move a box from A to B or mm. to handle a ship. It is hundreds of people involved in different companies and customs and governments and rules and regulations. It's not like just changing a taxi industry and calling Uber. That's easy if you compare to this, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you need a plan, you need to understand where you are, and you need to craft a vision, and then you need to stick with it and really work with it gradually. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the truth, the boring truth. No, I totally agree. I mean, my background, I was uh, port-based for a number of years, um, so I know exactly what you're talking about, and I find anything to do with shipping logistics really interesting. That's why I stayed within it, and obviously uh, the publishing side, because it fitted into everything that I kind of knew. And then I think the advantage... Of, of working within shipping logistics through the pandemic. It sounds all, almost like an awful thing to say is it's the one area that pretty much will never stop. So even if we, for argument's sake, we get to a point where you're delivering goods by drone in the future, you know, let's take a fanciful flight. The fact is it's still got to be moved from point A to point B and however it's done. And that has to be an advantage where other industries sadly have stopped. Yours will not stop, you know, in any, when you know, whatever part of the, the logistics chain you're in, if you're moving goods, it can't stop, can it? No, exactly. And, but it's just the way we do it that's yeah. going to change. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly the same thing if you look at, everyone's talking about Spotify, let's say that, right? Yeah. It all started with actually, it is, the product is not Spotify, the spot, product is a song, let's say SOS from ABBA, right? That's good the song. song. Good song. And it's been the song since the 80s. It's still the same song, even though it's cassette or DVD or what have you, that's just the carrier. Yeah. So the, way, the way we see it, I mean, the box will go from A to B, no matter we like it or not. Just how we do that and what kind of data and automation we can do it with, that's the transformation we have to be easy, right? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, don't carry on. I think so, another thing that people oversee is the uh, hard, hard, really hard groundwork when it comes to data quality. Uh, I mean, if you don't have control of what you do and the data you put in and you put out, that is... Uh, major journey in shipping logistics. It matters. It really matters. Yeah. I think the airline industry did this very well with IATA and the standards they did a couple of many years ago, right? Yeah. That is starting now in the shipping and logistics industry to become some kind of standards. Because every country has had their different own standard scheme. And that has to change. It's, it's just too complicated to talk. No, I totally agree. I was talking to a um, friend of an interview a couple of days ago with a specialist in hazardous goods. And he started, that interview is going to be up on our website probably by tomorrow. And um, he went right back, he's, everything you said, he went right back to to the beginning. And he and I, I was trying to get him to explain why the what makes the airline stand out. And he was talking about the IATA. And he said, you know, the sh- it's a shame that it's going to, and he's not necessarily talking about hazardous goods, but he's talking about adoption. And he said, you know, that kind of, the way they do that and the, the way it's rolled out across the airlines, and they're so rigorous, he said, and really... That needs to be rolled out across shipping, Correct. you know, and it, and it almost a transport. And I think by what you're saying, Martin, that perhaps there is a hopefully a light at the end of the tunnel where that may may happen. It is. It is. It started, uh, but you have to respect the time this will take and how many uh, how many I want my standard way is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So, so um, yeah, uh, I respect the journey, so to speak, and uh, but we, we will love the journey, many journeys to find the right one. That's that's what we try to do. We we try to build an open, open mindset and open, open to many standards, so to speak. Flexible standard. I don't know if it's a word, but that's 
that's what we have to live with. Okay, let's not even talk about Brexit, by the way. I've deliberately <laughs> avoiding that. Um, so can you... It gets back to... I'm a huge company. I know you've been around for a long time. Massive growth. But a couple of reasons that makes GAC stand out from your competitors. I, I think, and I hear from the customers, that it's, it's the flexibility. Uh, we are not a big giant, and it don't, doesn't take long to start working with us. We can definitely take you over and start reintegrating and sharing data within 20 working days, no problem. Yeah. And I think that we know that that is a strength, and that kind of, uh, let's say, a little bit startup mentality all the way up to management is good. It's, it's healthy. Um, uh, so if we can, uh, if we can combine that with some uh, automation and, and good processes, we would be uh, even better. I mean, that's. Imagine a controlled flexibility, uh, that is the, what everyone would, would like to have. So uh, I, I see that the data quality and the flexibility is something that uh, the, uh, our customers enjoy and like with us. Um, we also try to really understand the, the problems that the customer has and try to take the, that burden away from them, not just to give them a quote with a price. Uh, sometimes we, we would like to take a little bit more responsibility and accountability perhaps, and that's also something they... they Appreciate over the years. So, um, returning guests is something we like. Okay, that's well, no, because that's the, often the lifeblood of business, isn't it? And obviously, bringing yes. new clients. But yeah, totally, and that works across so many industries because you want obviously you want a nice relationship with these people, um, yeah. and you know if you don't have that, well, like you said earlier, you know you're going to either live or die, aren't you? You know you need to keep that going, and I think. No, yeah. I mean, to be honest, a low price is always nice to pay, but maybe you have to figure out if that's actually what you need, that's kind of service, because service has a price. Yeah, it does, yeah, 100% agree. So um, we all know shipping is expensive, and again, going back to my my work working at the port, and I, I remember the cost involved, and just shipping, a vessel, having a vessel with just 40 lorries on it, you know, that barely covered the actual fuel use. You know, yeah. as an example, I know it's a basic example, but how do you remain competitive? How do you remain efficient? Um, still, but you still have, but you still want to um, deliver a high quality service. How how is that achieved? But uh, I think you have to uh, you have to be quite uh, clear here that I think that shipping is is a, is a business that always should travel first class. I, I mean. If you don't do that, you will sooner or later have an accident, and that will cost you both an arm and a leg, right? So, yeah. I mean, you have to really be careful what you're trying to achieve and what you do. If you if you don't do that and understand the expensive assets that you play with, uh, I, I think that you will do a mistake sooner or later that it's going to cost you more than you save if you go down. And that's uh, something I feel that the DEC has, has been doing for the last 60 years. They really take care of that part. Per, we rather say no to something that is that we say we can't do with good service and, and quality, so we, so we don't do it. Uh, I think that's a good uh, good way forward, and I think it's a necessary way moving forward. Otherwise, you will end up with, uh, with taking shortcuts. That are very dangerous. I mean, imagine uh, oil spill, all these things. I mean, you, you, that's not a joke. It, it's for real, right? It's yeah. going to damage the environment and everything. So you have to be super careful. So travel, travel first class if you see a risk. And we see that um, that is one of the reasons why I think digital transformation is interesting in the shipping industry as well, is that 
If you take, for example, an Uber industry, Uber, is a, everyone loves Uber, right? It's very convenient, it's very smooth, but the risk that you take is like you have a driver, you have a car, and you have a, a passenger, that's it. Uh, so the risk is like the car price or an accident and the insurance around that. Imagine doing the same with the ship. The ships cost a little bit more zeros, uh, and the, the car go even more sometimes, and then you have a lot of crew, and you have uh, uh, harbors and accidents that can be, uh, I mean, amazingly big, right? So that means that you will really need some kind of human interaction and some responsibility and accountability. You cannot hide that in a night. I don't think that's going to work like that. It's too big risk and too much to stay uh, at stake here. Uh, so um, I hope that people care about shipping for a long time and that we, that we respect the people that works on board the ship and taking care of that part of the environment and security. You don't see it, you will notice when they're not there. <laughs> and that's very interesting. You mentioned Uber, Uber because I don't know if you've, you've kept up with what's happened in the UK, but there was a court case that Uber lost, um, went all the way to appeal, um, uh, and the Supreme Court actually, and it was all to do with drivers' rights, um, and the drivers formed a class action and won. And that's going to transform the way Uber operates in the UK. And to be honest, Martin, I think uh, a lot of my feeling is there's quite a few governments or quite a few bodies globally that are looking at Uber closely now, and I don't know if they're necessarily that happy with the way they work. And it's funny how the legislation is kind of catching up with this funny, I'll use that word, digital transformation, because people are now looking at it going, well, is that really ethical? Is that really what we want? Are they treating people well? And I think that gets back to what you're saying. If you, you need to be open and transparent, you have to do it in an ethical way, because sooner or later, Uber is a great thing, but there are question marks. And I mean, uh, Uber is a very good customer experience, though, which yeah. means they have transformed the taxi industry forever, yeah. which is a good thing, right? Yeah. But was it the right way of doing it? Maybe, maybe not. Let's see. But at least they changed. That was a complete transformation of an industry, which I think was necessary for the for the customer experience, and for the payment, and for the way of knowing where you where you are heading, right? With just an app and a GPS and a cat and a map. I think that. Um, so I, I totally understand that this is the way the shipping industry and this industry is heading, uh, but we have to take it in different steps and different part of that journey, I believe, because it's so much more at stake. Uh, and it's a little bit more complicated than, uh, than going from A to B in a taxi. I see. I know what you mean. Okay, and fine. It's so, going to happen, definitely. Oh, no, no, of course. Yeah, and, and uh, I, you know, Uber is a great example of, of what I'd call a disruptor in the system. And it, ha it has been. I've used Uber loads of times. And it actually is a nice experience. I've never had a negative experience. I've quite enjoyed it. The drivers are really friendly. And it's, you know, you, you know exactly what you're getting. And it's good. You know, and I think it's it's an incredible business model. Um, so just finally, with offices, um, like I said, all over the world, how do you make sure that you are working to this same kind of philosophy. I guess that's part of the digital transformation you're talking about. It is, and uh, I think um, what we're trying to work with here is, first of all, we're trying to really work hard with the language we use and the business glossaries, that uh, when we talk uh, about something in our products or in the journey, we always use the same words and we have a definition about it. So people start to understand and realize that we're talking the same language. And that helps a lot when you have a communication plan and, and you have building a system, whatever you do, right? So the yeah. definition of the product, definition of what we call it internally. So it, it sounds so boring, but the business glossary is a necessity for data quality and yeah. to change something because then you know where you are and where you want to head, right? And that's, that's, that's kind of the key. 
And um, also, I think you need to do it a little bit fun and sexy. So we work a lot with uh, like in marketing, uh, internal marketing with the company with Journey. So we, we, we hide the program for a flying horse and uh, called Pegasus. And we have a little bit of, of uh, marketing material internally when we talk about it. It's a little bit mystique around it. And that also means that we want to be on the journey, not dictated to be on the journey, because it's, it's quite fun and it's, it looks cool. And it's also important. Uh, to, to, to make people want to go on the train and be on the journey. So uh, I wouldn't say that we have 100% successfully done all this, but it's that's the way we try to do it. And I have, I, I, I am happy if we can do the 80-20 rule, because that's the best of all changes. We can succeed with 20, which means we have time to work with the, we, we will succeed with 80 to have time to take the other 20 afterwards. Yes, mate, the 80-20, and again, it's a, it serves so many industries, and it's a great... Yeah. It's a great way to work. Martin, that's it. Thank you very much for your time. Um, <clears throat> absolutely fascinating. Um, and I know you're really, really busy, so genuinely, yeah, I, I do thank you for that. And I just want to say also a big thank you to your agency, uh, Henry over at Blue. Thank you very much for that. Very good. Thank you very much for the talk. You can find Global Logistics at glowlogistic.com.